This podcast is the result of my passion for languages and for talking to people. I have conversations with language professionals who are willing to share their experience. We focus on their work, but also on how their love for languages has shaped their personal lives. I'm Rita Prazeres Gonçalves, and I provide language services such as translation, localization, voiceover, and others in English and in Portuguese. I am also a language mentor for Portuguese speakers who are learning English and English speakers who are learning Portuguese. I am the language worker. Get in touch if you would like to know more about how I can help you with your projects. My email is rita at thelanguageworker.com. This podcast is also available as a videocast on YouTube. Hi, everybody. I'm delighted today because my guest today, I think we have a lot in common. At least that's what I think from looking at her profile available on LinkedIn. So this is Marta. I didn't even ask her to pronounce her last name because I always do it live, as you know. So uh, she is Brazilian. Uh, we're going to speak in English. So this is a, a new trend that we started with Diego Perez <laughs> some time ago. <laughs> And we're doing it again with, uh, with uh, Marta. She's Brazilian. She lives in Portugal. And somehow we've never met before, which is really strange for the both of us because we seem to have been having some sort of a parallel life <laughs> somehow. Yeah. And some of our references are the same. So that's really funny. But I thought I wouldn't spoil it too much and would make it a surprise for myself as I enjoy it. And I hope you do too. So this is uh, Marta. This is all I know. This is Marta. So can you pronounce your last name for us to understand where what it is and where it comes yes. from? Because it doesn't... Is it German? Where does it come from? Not. <laughs> Here's your first surprise. Uh, so my name is... My full name is Marta Boer Silva. Um. Very Brazilian. Uh, but my mother... Uh, my mother middle name is Boer. Mm. So in English they say Boer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's Italian. Actually. Oh, but I had uh, it was a very good uh, icebreaker in some conversations because the Dutch people come to me and speak in Dutch, mm -hmm. <laughs> or German people come to me speaking German. Yeah, that's and, what I thought. You know, you know, <laughs> I don't speak any of those languages, so no, I had emails uh, reading Dutch to me before. Um, so it's um, Italian origin, and that's how I remained in in Ireland, and then now in Portugal with my Italian nationality as well. Mm, that is nice so i was thinking that you really have a, a really close close relationship with english because i guess yeah. it came to your life before uh any of this translation and all of that because i saw that you started studying really early even before your ba right yeah yeah so english was uh the only thing that really i, I was obsessed about when i was a kid i wanted to learn it my father listened to the beatles day in day out I had a dictionary and the lyrics of Beatles with me, like a bilingual dictionary when I was 10, 11. Uh, so then I went on studying English um, outside school because mm -hmm. school, English school in Brazil is not the best. So I was awarded this course, like uh, English as a second language uh, twice a week. And I loved it. I was uh, always, it was the, the one thing that I was always looking forward to, always on time, did all the homework. The, the teachers uh, loved me and I loved the, 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 the language and the English and the the teachers. And the institute I went to was very well recognized in Brazil. It's called Cultura Inglesa. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I was there for four years when, um, and it was quite uh, expensive. Like I, I went to public school and we were not rich or anything like that. 
but uh, my my parents made an effort for me to go there. And mm-hmm. then uh, when I was doing, when I was 15, I think my father lost his job mm. and I wanted to continue by all means necessary <laughs> and talk to my teacher and I talked to the principal in that uh, unit that I was going to. And I think I was one of the first students to be awarded a scholarship because I made a request. I had to write, you know, by hand, a letter explaining the situation. So they gave me a scholarship. I think it lasted for about three years. Wow. I was really, really lucky. Really, I was really grateful. So mm-hmm. I studied English in this manner for seven years. Mm-hmm. Say. And then I went on, uh, I found a job in translation. Yeah, so you did your internship before your degree, is that right? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you know, uh, if you know many Brazilians, you know that uh, we don't do You're things different. in the right order. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Most of the time, we are studying and working, full, working full-time and studying full-time in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me as well. When I was in high school, I had to start going um, to work. I started at a, as an accountant office, and that I knew that I wouldn't follow that path for sure. But I was an admin for a while. I was 16, I think. And then uh, when I was 18, my teacher in this institute introduced me to a person that was the DTP person of a family-run business, mm-hmm. uh, translation business. And then um, that was my internship. I was 18. And I started seeing everything for the first time. Email like 19, 1997, I think it was. That's when uh, email started, I guess. Yeah. I have that impression. <laughs> oh, 1994. Yes. Yeah. So it was the first time that I saw email, that I saw uh, everything, computers. There was a Mac and there was a PC. Everything was uh, very new. And I was attracted to technology as well. So that was my first school in translation. And then when it came time for me to start college, I just thought I would do something that would um, combine mm-hmm. well with what I was doing. So I, I didn't put a lot of pressure, like to study law or something that was very difficult <laughs> because I had to work, um, you know, all day long and studying the evenings. So that's uh, my strategy at the time was to just uh, combine the things and, and mm-hmm. it worked out. It worked out. So then you went to college and you enjoyed it and you worked throughout the whole time. And then what happened when you finished? I, well, I went to college for three years and a half and then I got a job uh, offer in Ireland. Oh, you went that early. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I worked in this first translation company for three years. Then I went on to a a bigger company that that already did project management. So I was a project manager at 21. (laughs) I didn't know better, right? Yes, I'll be a project manager. And all this localization thing was all started. Start. Mm-hmm. That company was bought by Berlitz. Mm. And I worked there for three years. And then uh, some of my colleagues were starting to go to Ireland. Uh, Microsoft was in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There were many companies there. And then LSPs also were born there. Um, and somebody referred me to a job inside a company called Lexmark. They used to do... The I printers? Know, exist. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. did printers. They had a call center for 250 languages, I think, and a small translation group for the four main uh, European languages, fixed, French, Italian, German, and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And uh, this person wanted to do a trial with uh, another language. So they, they chose Brazilian Portuguese because of the market. Mm-hmm. And But it was a, a one-year contract. So I went to Ireland in October 2000 to stay for a year. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 19 years later. Right. <laughs> <to Portugal. laughs> 
So a lot of adventures in Ireland, I suppose. Where oh, were you? Yeah, no, were you no. around Cork, where everything happened? Then, the... um, no, no, no. I was. I remained in Dublin for most of uh, the time I was living there. Uh, I worked in this company, Lexmark, for a year. Then I didn't want to go back home. There was plenty of jobs there at the time. So mm -hmm. I think I found a job. My husband was uh, building his first business there as well as a, co a coffee shop. I worked mm -hmm. three months in the coffee shop. <laughs> I'm done. So That's a whole I, other business, <laughs> right? <laughs> there was a company called Textras. I'm very grateful to them as well. They still exist and they are Brazil. They used to be Brazil. Yes, I know about them. I, I worked yes. with Robert sometimes and he oh, worked with them. So, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Claudio gave me an opportunity and I was um, doing review, translation, everything for Brazilian in, in, the, in the office with them. Mm -hmm. For a few years as well, a couple of years at least. Um, and then after that, I became a, a freelancer for, for some time, but I was never completely fulfilled. So that I kept looking for jobs and I did six mm. months in a company called Aerotex, six months in Lionbridge, and then I went back to being a freelancer and so on and so forth. That was until 2011. Uh, I got a very nice project in 2011 at this company called Keyword Studios. They... Mm -hmm bring a, a brought a, a team of people to seattle for a month to test wow. the game inside the studio like very secretive yes uh, yes so they, they, yeah <laughs> i know they put a team of i think it was 11 or 12 languages uh accommodations flights everything paid for and a per diem and your hour and it was just a, a very nice uh, opportunity and then when i came back from that one and then um, that year, in 2011, a friend invited me to to join her in her venture, which is uh, called Chili Store. Uh, Chili Store was the, my longest, uh, the longest time I stayed in the company. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, close to 12 years. Yeah. So, so Chili does Store that have anything to do with translation or? Yes. <laughs> well, Chili Store, it was a LQA uh, company, like mm -hmm. a third party LQA. Uh -huh. That was... Uh, what we started doing so the two of us uh well she's the owner and uh, she invited me to just join along and i was her first uh kind of hire mm -hmm. uh, the two of us uh, started as project managers so we still had our clients we're still doing our reviews or everything that we were still doing mm -hmm. at the time and then one of uh, her clients that she was doing a maternity cover for asked her to stay on uh and she decided to to do it but uh, outsourced and um, she needed a team for that so the two of us started providing LQA services and we put a team of freelancers together so that was the first um, big thing that we did I think 22 or 25 languages mm -hmm. and started doing this third party LQA building the plane in, in flight <laughs> wow uh, we had a very generous client that kind of uh, bought the idea and uh, the way that we proposed to do this because we were tired of the LQA cycle of these projects in localization if you are familiar with uh, Excel spreadsheets and reports and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, the report part was very, uh, it took too long, it, it took too long to resolve and uh, we proposed uh, different ways of doing that. So one of the ways was to get the translator and the reviewer to talk together yes so this was 
Uh, and every time right. I say this, it's like, oh my God, yes, of course, why not? And uh, yeah, but it's very labor intensive and it's, um, it's a, an expensive service for your clients, right? Mm. But we did it when we did it well. And uh, I think um, the my vendor manager side like mm. came out yeah. in that moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my vendor manager came out in, in, in this company because I loved I loved the, the whole people thing apart from the HR mm-hmm. bureaucratic bits. But I, I loved to train the new PMs that would join us or to welcome new translators and so on. So in 10 years, almost um, in 10, 10 to 12 years, we managed to grow the company from two people to 37 people mm. internally. And then we had a database of 300 freelancers or a bit more when I left that worked for us uh, on an ongoing basis. So the way it was organized, it was... A PM would, would be a dedicated to a client mm-hmm. and the team of reviewers was dedicated to that client as well. Yes. Then we, conv- we convinced the client to convince the LSP to divulge the names of the translators. Mm. And in some cases, we even managed to have Slack groups only of the language people. So well. the reviewers and the translators talk together. The translators could ask questions during the translation. Yeah. The reviewers uh, could give feedback during the review, uh, and all of this was documented throughout. So, if from this discussion, if there was style guide updates or things like that, mm-hmm. then it would be feedback and implemented. And so, our reviewers were kind of, and some people called them language owners, yes, language leads, <laughs> things like that. I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the language owners were, were responsible for keeping the style guide updated, the terminology updated, and uh, to keep tabs on the quality for the client for their language. With the support of the PM in Chile Store, and then we also had a quality manager. So we had a structure that would facilitate this this way of working. But uh, every time I tell the story, I say the same thing. It sounds like a dream come true, and it was very... (laughs) It was a dreamy way of working because you were in contact with your reviewers all day long. Um, I created a workspace in Slack for our reviewers and for our PMs only. So they mm-hmm. could separate themselves in the projects they work for. And But the reviewers created this, you know, um, community in this Slack channel. So in, in, in Slack, if you're familiar with it, there is a general channel that if you are in Slack, you are part of this general channel. And then you can start separating groups or channels uh, according to whatever you need. So the general channel became like a a community banter thing, or you know we would do announcements there. And there is also a channel called Random for stuff that is not work related, but mm-hmm. this channel would have like lots of memes and you know so it really became like a small social network for our for our reviewers. Um, and uh, after I left. Chili store. That was the thing that I missed. One of the things that I missed the most. And of course, like, it's the people. I, it always is. I have to do my own now. So <laughs> one of my side projects at the moment is in the works. Uh, it might be something to do with that. 
Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> now that I have been separated from people for quite a long time. Oh, yes. It's like, what am I going to do to go back to being with people? Yeah. <laughs> so I think I, I, I podcast. That's what I yeah. do. One by one, but it's I get there. That, yeah. Well done. But I think this work is amazing. I, I couldn't do this work. <laughs> um, this is not work. This is fun. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. Um, so um, then what happened? I left teaching starting in April this year. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I took some... So you were already in Portugal when you separated yourself from this project. Yeah, yeah. I arrived in Portugal in January 2020. Uh, and uh, it was a company that was remote first uh, already. Like we were pioneers in many things. <laughs> um, and I could work from here, work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I was uh, still serving my clients and uh, talking to our reviewers. In the pandemic, something very interesting happened. People start to feel uh, lonely and alone, even if they had work online and all of those things. So I started organizing uh, happy hour Zoom calls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people would join and spend like an hour or two just, you know, exchanging ideas and conversation and mm -hmm. having a glass of wine in some where, wherever it was a uh, time for <laughs> for a happy hour. People would. Uh, yeah, I think the most successful one was 30 people. Oh, wow. um, you know the time zone was actually a problem but uh it was around 6 p.m european time so uh 30 people were there for a couple of hours just uh talking about i don't know taro and <laughs> whatever don't get me started language people <laughs> together anything can can, can i know can i know happen. i know <laughs> uh, and this is one of the things that fascinates me as well you know I, I i like to be close to the people that speak more than one language, have different uh, experience in different cultures. Um, yeah, that's what I like doing. So then why Portugal? I always, not, don't tell me because everybody's coming, it's a trend, it's a thing, it's great here. I didn't here even because... know, I didn't even know of the trend. <laughs> but um, I have a niece that lives here for 12, 15 years. Uh, mm. She lived with us in, in Dublin a couple of times. Mm. Uh, she's my husband's niece, actually. And um, she moved here and her parents, which is my my husband's sister and brother-in-law, uh, they are retired. So they come here a couple of times a year, spend a few months. Uh, and every time they come, we would, would come visit as well. And then one day talking to my brother-in-law, he said, why don't you guys try and come here for three months? Same old story, right? Come for three months and then never leave. <laughs> um, and that, uh, and we, it didn't take too long for us to make the decision. I talked to him in November 2019 because we all, we had already talked about this a few times, but never really thought about it. Uh, and then in November 2019, he said it more seriously, and I said, "Why not?" And then in January 2020, we were here like three, not even three months later, we were, uh, yeah, moving here on the ferry boat. <laughs> 30 hours of the, on the oh, sea wow. between Ireland and uh, north of Spain. That's very poetic, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's poetic when you look at the ferry boat ads and see, okay, there is cinema, there is a casino. And then <laughs> you don't check if your one has that. 
<laughs> so it was uh, rookie mistakes all around. No casino, no. There was two slot <laughs> machines in the reception that were not working. <laughs> no cinema. Uh, and... But lots of casinos in Portugal. So right yeah. there near your house. So you yeah. don't have to worry about and, that. <laughs> 10 minutes from Storio. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so 30 hours on the ferry boat and rookie mistake, master rookie mistake. Uh, we didn't we didn't book a cabin because the seats look comfortable enough like airplane seats mm -hmm. and then uh, we were 30 hours without having where to sleep <laughs> mm. apart from these chairs that looked like comfy but were not really <laughs> they were but not after <laughs> 10 or 15 hours I suppose yeah. so uh, but we were laughing about it all the time and uh, the there was no glamour at all on this in this ferry boat. The, uh, nothing against any nationality or, or whatever, but you know our fellow passengers were truck drivers from Eastern Europe, and uh, you know big fellows with uh, yeah, no glamour at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't come to Portugal for any work-related reason, right? No, no, no. Because I could. Uh, well, one of the reasons I I moved here especially is because I could work from here, mm. could keep my job job and still work from here. Uh, and it made sense because Portugal is a bit better uh, cost of life than in Ireland. And um, we had family here. The weather is is good. And uh, in my research about Portugal, I, I read an article saying, come for 300 days of sunshine. And uh, <laughs> and it's and, true. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And then I was like, let me let me check the 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 thing for Ireland, and it was like sixty days of sunshine. So it's the uh, mm. exactly. check it out, everybody. It's, this is this is basically true because it, we're in the middle of October, and there is thirty seven degrees where I am today. So I know it's twenty seven here, and it's usually uh, much cooler this time of year, right? Yes, it depends. But, but I mean, I've I've had a lot of uh, of Octobers that were really, really strong. I know, I know because it's my birthday, so I always know yeah, if no, it was right. <laughs> next week. Happy birthday! <laughs> no, no, no. You cannot say that. You cannot say that. The, only next week, so next Monday, yeah. then okay. <laughs> we can talk about it again. But it's true. I mean, we if it's for the sunshine, if you think that is a way of deciding your life, then go for it. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, so and what's uh, been happening ever since you decided not to work with the chili store is it chili store yeah because chili i store. thought you know when i heard, when i read chili store i thought of chili beans because they're a brazilian uh, oh, yeah. sunglass <laughs> uh brand and i i yes. knew the owners in the brazilian consulate in los angeles right. so there was a big when they were implementing in portugal and all of that so i i thought somehow it had some connection but new no. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, the chili store was a. Uh, I don't remember the origin story anymore, but uh, it was something to do with. Uh, it was supposed to be a. My my friend had this name before even she had a company, mm. but uh, in our idea was like we would have many services or products that clients could pick and choose. So mm -hmm. that's more or less the idea of a of a spice store, or, you know, a, a chili chili store. Oh. That's where it came from. Wow. Uh, for us so that, that was a very nice so after I left Chili Store I was wondering what I was going to do uh, and then I started networking mm -hmm. that I had stopped because of the pandemic because of uh, the last two years of Chili Store were very intensive as well when travel was allowed again I went to Chili Store a few times uh, to Ireland a few times and it was uh, quite uh, intensive quite uh, uh, but then in May I went to my first block lunch in, in Lisbon mm -hmm. uh, 
Lockledge in Portugal. So uh, I knew Lockledge from Ireland as well. And I, I participated online before. So in Lock Lunch, I was there for networking. So I met a lot of interesting people, uh, including the founder of Lock Lunch. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've just connected with him and he's oh, going to be yeah. on the podcast soon. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he would be brilliant. He's a, a brilliant character, big heart, a big mind. Like I couldn't be more grateful to, to, to have encountered him in my life. So in the first Lock Lunch, I was there and I there were 25 people. I think uh, it was a very successful one. For Lisbon, and then um, the second lock lunch, we drove together and we talked more about our careers and what I was doing and so on, and we connected. and uh, I'm working with them now for, oh. as a vendor manager consultant to mm-hmm. see if we can create this um, vibe of community for for their translators as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the things that I'm doing. So consultant. Uh, and I have another client that I'm working as a recruiter, vendor manager, finding talent for mm. copywriting. Not, not really copywriting, it's a lot more content writing for fashion and travel. So it's a, it's mm. a thing that is coming on now very, very strong. Uh, copywriting, content writing. Um, I don't have a lot of experience in this, but in Chile Store we had some projects related. Uh, so I'm recruiting for for them so kind of vendor management um, talent acquisition services mm-hmm. i promised a friend that i would try to remove the vendor part of the thing of the yes day. i know how close people like don't usually like it <laughs> yes it's true so I, re- I need to remember to bring the word talent into it uh so looking for talent language talent or writers and things like that um and I'm also helping um, a, a company in Brazil. They are Brazilian, um, English into Brazilian only, doing the same thing, checking CVs. But mm. because I'm Brazilian, I, I'm also applying tests for these translators. So usually things related to talent right now. And uh, So you don't do, lang- you haven't been doing language work for a long time, or do you still do some of that? Uh, not really, no, no. I was, uh, since I joined Chile Store, most I started as a PM, uh, then you went into the dark manager, side, and then vendor manager, and then you know, uh, and then yeah, I haven't touched files for a long time. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> but after I left, you so I even considered doing that. So I, mm. if I if I do that, I need a refresher, <laughs> a very good refresher because the language evolved so much. Uh, but it's not really my my gem right now. Probably when I retire, probably. <laughs> do translations again for for hobby or something right <laughs> but I, I love this i love these things you know i love the podcasts i love uh, mentoring mm. uh, translators going to the, the lock lunch the networking yes i need to go oh, i haven't lock been lunch, to one but, yeah. but now yeah. i mean is that uh, one close to you or you need to come down it's, uh, it's the same going to lisbon or going to porto which is mm. where you have them it's 150 yeah. kilometers each side so i'm in the middle oh. and <laughs> i should decide very soon a bunch of my friends of course go to one another other group of another group of friends goes to the other one so probably going to lisbon first i'm going to go there mm. this week but i don't think there's any 
No, I don't think it's happening. Around, but uh, I have to go, which is a bit. And now after meeting Yen, it's even worse, right? <laughs> 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 not well, not going. Uh, but yeah. there's, I guess there's there's going to be more Lockland related situations on the podcast because I had no idea that you had anything to do with that, which is really funny. I got well, it from. I don't uh... really. I just love going. <laughs> well, you don't, but you I'm do not, because yeah, I was, I was talking to to Gabriella on the podcast, and I was very surprised oh, that she's yeah. she's the yeah like two episodes. She's the ago, ambassador, yeah. She's the I'm not giving you any spoilers because you have to ask Ian about it because it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing project of his. Yeah, um, I know. So that's the first, idea. It's to talk and, about this and, a little bit more because I'm and, very curious now. Yeah, and It was funny because I when I start going, I said to myself, I, was go, I will go to as many as I can. And then I see that they have online as well. And then today or yesterday, my husband was like, you don't have to go to all of them just because you know Ian. And I was like, no, I'm not. My idea started before I met Ian. I didn't even know Ian was going to be there <laughs> in the first place. So um, because of the networking thing and, uh, you know, I, I, I go to some online ones as well. Yesterday I was on the Compostela one. Mm. It's just an amazing initiative, really, for people like me. Yeah, <laughs> I have a, a Brazilian friend here, so it's probably the, yeah. the closest friend I have here in, in the translation world, and we, we have to attend one of those. We have to decide if we go yeah. up, if we go down, and then <laughs> just join <laughs> somehow, but yeah. that should be the way forward. Yes, so what, what makes me tick are those things, and um, I mentioned to somebody the other day, I think it was Ian even, that I want to help all the language people. Such a, you sound a like Gabriella now. And, and like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, grandiose or, you know, grandeur or whatever. Ma maniac, or, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the name now, but I will remember in a minute. But I, I want to help other language people, meaning mm. freelancers, translators, uh, and the people that, um, that, re that do the real work, right? And uh, in this industry. Mm -hmm. So I started by, I, I have a mentor, mentee mm -hmm. in Brazil. She's, I, I find interesting that people who do four years of college, two years of a master or something, and they still don't know how to get into the market. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started mentoring this person so you could understand what happens in college, at least in Brazil, that you don't feel prepared or you don't know where mm -hmm. to go when you finish. Where are the internship programs, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. At least where she's studying, there is nothing like this. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I joined forces with a, a lady called Marina Faro. I don't know her whole surname <laughs> right now from the top of my head, but I, I love her. She is, um, she is me in San Diego, <laughs> but she was from the DTP uh, side mm -hmm. of things, localization. Yep. And we joined forces and we did a course called New to Localization. Oh. New to Local. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is for people that don't know what localization is, but have think that's something that they can do. Mm -hmm. um, or people that finish college, like like this this person that I'm training in Brazil, that don't know how to get into the market, don't know if they want to be a freelancer or employed or an in-house translator. So we explain all of the basics and mm -hmm. all of the possibilities of a career in localization, if you choose to be uh, an employee or if you choose to be a freelancer. That was very exciting. Very mm -hmm. like we did. Yeah, uh, I love that three, stuff too. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> three hours, uh, two hours uh, every Saturday, like on a Saturday afternoon. Like it really shows. Like it was half eight in the morning in San Diego and half four in the evening here, and we were so cheerful you know, <laughs> teaching this course together. Um, and I taught another course on vendor management mm -hmm. only. 
that I also had a, a blast doing. It was more intensive, 20 hours, two hours a day for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I had, a, had a kick out of it. Vendor management is strange because there is not a lot of theory. So you kind of, each company creates their own way of doing it. Yes, true. And I was doing, <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to teach the way that we did in Chili Store. So, which is even more different, right? Uh, it's very intensive, your connection with your vendors. Mm. Uh, the PMs also play a little part in being like a vendor manager in a way because they're the freelancers are dedicated to their projects. So they were kind of managing a team of freelancers, right? Yeah. Um, with the support of the vendor managers in the store, we created um, a role called vendor advocate, oh. which was the ombudsman or something. It didn't last for very long because of the acquisition and everything. So, but the idea was that our freelancers knew they could contact this person for anything. And mm-hmm. this person would like them either through working out their issues, right. like if they had an issue in a PM with another translator, with another yes, reviewer, yes. <laughs> a bit of um, human resources in a sense, but yeah. it was like for the human side of it. You know, yeah, for the personal part. side yeah. of the story. And this advocate was removed from the production, so it would not affect, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the role of this person was to smooth things out right. for the translator, for the reviewer, for the PM. Um yeah, so that was one of the ideas we had. So look after looking after your people, you know, creating trust and and all of those things. So um, I still carry that flag, and I I want to to wherever I go, work or yeah, I'm the same. Company. I understand what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> or if I have my own company, <laughs> I don't know how soon. Yeah, I'm 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 are. planning on on doing some sort of <laughs> workshop and things like that also about vendor man or. Where vendor manager is, vendor management is yeah. kind of the star. So it's and kind there of... is a lot of discussion if vendor manager is part of human resources or production. And I think it, we need a third space for it. Yeah. Yeah. In a company, you know, like uh, it's not so uh, intensive human resources as, you know, if you have staff. Mm. And it's not 100% production because you're not managing projects or... Yeah, exactly. The Where I was, we didn't have that. So we weren't part of HR and we weren't part of production. We were mm. called, uh, we were part of what they called shared services. So we catered to everybody, but shared we didn't services. cater to anyone. <laughs> and that's so amazing. I thought it was a, a good way of doing it. But I mean, uh, there was a moment where we were about 16 or 18 vendor managers. Wow, so it's, that's it's not amazing. your usual... <laughs> because it's, it's, a, it's a huge company, right? It's not... Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if in, in this type of um, big teams, uh, is it sustainable to do the way that we were doing? It was very in- like time intensive. Yes, yes. Uh, and you have to have a person just dedicated to looking after your vendors. Your, yeah, yeah. Your we were just vendor you know? managers. We were yeah. not hybrids. We were just vendor yeah. managers. Yeah. But the, the 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 other part of the work is also intensive. So recruiting, checking CVs. Checking if the person exists. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Talking about sure. cameras and all of those things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's um, very, um, very intensive. So mm-hmm. to add on this part of look, looking after people is 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 a cost center, right? Yeah, it's not, for uh, sure. No, it was, it was, it was, well, I told you, it was the only job where I stayed much longer mm-hmm. than any, yeah. any other job. So I, I was there for eight years just being a vendor manager. So from mm-hmm. beginning to end, at the end, I had another role, but because uh, there was a, a change in the, yeah. in the department, like, but for yeah. sure, I was a vendor manager for a whole eight years and that's all I did for eight years. So I, I absolutely love talking about it. I love talking mm-hmm. to people who do it, who have done it, who will yeah. do it. <laughs> I'm always here so, for that yeah. topic. I came I came across your podcast when you interviewed Carmen and Carmen has uh-huh. 
a similar mindset. The yeah. book is a, a gem. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I think there is a trend that people are starting looking after their collaborators a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And you need people that are interested in this and, you know, people person and um, have the patience and the inclination and the, I, 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 it's I a lot. You have to have a lot and understanding <laughs> yeah. what they do and so on, you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to go to Kashkais one of these days. To oh, yes. See if I meet you <laughs> in person. If you, if you go to Lucklunch, let me know, because then I definitely go to that one. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's look into that so that we yeah. can finally meet in person. Not finally, because this is the first time we're talking, but we have been, you know, back and forth a little bit. Because, yeah, yeah once I realized that you were somehow involved in this vendor management thing, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, when someone does the, the whole being uh, somehow uh, uh, working in languages and then going into the PMing, which already means that there's a, a kind of a shifted mentality and then you actually yeah. become a vendor manager or something of the sort with other terminology. For me, it's like, this is the right path in my mind, right? Yeah. So when people say that uh, you fresh out of the boat are perfectly fine to being a vendor manager, for me, is pretty complicated to understand. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, my no, path I, I was a little try, bit yeah. like yours. So I am, I mean, every, everybody's different, of course, but I do think that because of everything that is entailed in vendor management and the related uh, topics and, and people and subjects and, and roles yeah. and all of that, that having that full-blown knowledge of what it is to be on all of the sites. And I think that was one of the things that we have in common is that we were both you know, working in the language side and then PMing and then vendor management. And that's why probably we have kind of a similar vision on the topic yeah so very nice to meet you more extensively and i hope we can meet in person very soon oh yeah so I, hope so time. I know you're busy you have client meetings you have all sorts oh, of things yeah. so i'll let so, you go but it's it's fine like uh, i feel that i talked a lot i don't know if you had specific well that's the idea yeah, let's do this <laughs> no, again. no i don't have specific <laughs> questions <laughs> this is a conversation usually so <laughs> amazing amazing yeah yeah that's the yeah. whole idea Perfect. okay I think, thank you so I thank much. You very much for this work that you're doing because it's very needed <laughs> and let's keep spreading the word <laughs> yeah well having fun and doing a little bit of something <laughs> yes absolutely thank you so much and we'll talk thank about you, soon. Rita. it thank was you. amazing bye thanks ciao